Good evening. This evening's reading is taken from Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, which can be found on page 635 of your church Bibles. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving knowledge and discretion to the young, sorry, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the saying and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Thank you, Vicky. It would be very helpful if uh, you could have page 635 open in, uh, in your Bibles. We're going to look just at these first uh, seven verses of uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, which, as Ben's mentioned, is quite an unusual book uh, within the Bible. Uh, it is uh, partly made up of very short, sort of pithy sayings, terse sayings, if you like, that contain within them a, a kind of world of meaning. Uh, but the first nine chapters have a bit more of a kind of narrative shape to them. They sort of take you on a journey, uh, looking at the idea of wisdom uh, through the eyes of a mother and father who uh, are instructing their son. Uh, and um, it's even more complicated than that, but that's a, a kind of start. So if you just look through the book, you'll see that it's, it's kind of not all one kind of thing, and yet the book as a whole uh, forms a, a, a sort of unit uh, and it's given for a very specific purpose, uh, and you can see that in, in verse 2. So these are the Proverbs, verse 1, of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. So for gaining wisdom, the purpose of this book is to enable, well, first of all, Solomon's sons who would follow him as king, but by extension, everyone who comes to this book to gain wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Uh, perhaps you have an idea of what wisdom is that you carry around in your head, or perhaps you don't. Uh, but wisdom is about is the, the art of living God's way in God's world. Uh, and it's more than just ethics. It's not just knowing the difference between right and wrong. That's definitely there within wisdom. Wisdom is, is knowing how to do what's right. You can uh, see that at the end of verse 3, can't you? Doing what is right and just and fair. But most of life doesn't come with a rule book. Most decisions that you or I will take in any given day are not straightforward moral decisions in the sense that if I do this, it's right, and if I do that, it's wrong. You know, do I put cheese or marmite in my sandwich? Is that good or bad? Is that right or wrong? Well, my GP might tell me that neither raises a terribly wise decision. Marmite's full of salt and cheese is full of saturated fats, so maybe think about having something a bit healthier, Nick. But, but you see the point, right? We make constant decisions. And wisdom is about making the best decisions, about living well, about thriving about flourishing in God's world. It involves knowing how to dis distinguish right and wrong from each other, 
But most of the biggest decisions we make in our lives are not straightforwardly right or wrong decisions, are they? I mean, some of them are. For some of them, there are really clear rules. Shall I commit adultery? Well, no, there's a rule that says don't do that. But shall I marry? There's no rule. There's, there's no verse in the Bible that will tell me whether I'm... Well, I mean, it will tell me now whether I should be a married person or not, because I am one, and I should stay one. But if you're not married, should you marry? Or should you stay single? There's not a clear commandment in Scripture about that. And if you do marry, who should you marry? Well, there may be some guidelines in Scripture about what kind of person it's, it's a good idea to marry, but there's all kinds of shades of grey beyond that, aren't there? What does a good match for you look like? All the kinds of questions that you really want to ask, is this a good person for me to spend the rest of my life with? Or what job should I do? What degree should I apply for? If uh, you're in KO and you're thinking about going to university, well, what degree should I do? Or, or should I go to university? Is that a good idea? Or what job should I go into? What, what career should I pursue? Or, or if you're already in employment, should I stay in the job that I'm in or should I leave it and go to try and do something else? Now, none of those is, is a straightforwardly moral or ethical decision. But they will have a huge impact on your life. And you make the wrong decision about any of those things, and things can go really wrong. How do you know? How do you know what to do? Well, that is the stuff of wisdom. But the thing about wisdom is it doesn't come easy. It's not simply knowledge, is it? It's a skill. It goes deeper than just having information. And the very form of Proverbs kind of shows you that. Because, I mean, what are Proverbs like? Well, they tend to be kind of arresting word pictures. Someone's described them as being like poems. And the difference between a poem and a novel or a shopping list is that with a poem, you have to sort of marinate in it. You have to dwell on it, to chew on it, to reflect on it, to really get the best out of it. Uh, and many of the Proverbs have these sort of very arresting word pictures in them that, that sort of help you to think beyond what's immediately visible on the surface of something. So uh, here's uh, one example. It's on page 644, if you want to look at it with me. Uh, chapter 10, verse 24 as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards to those who send them. So in other words, a lazy employee is like vinegar to your teeth or smoke to your eyes. And as you think about that, you think, well, look, there's loads of ways in which that makes sense. You know, people who are lazy in, you know, if you're responsible for them in the workplace and they're lazy, how are they like vinegar to the teeth? Well, you think about it, you think, well, it's a pretty sour experience trying to deal with them. It leaves a bad taste in the mouth. But also, it's corrosive. It eats away at your teeth. And, and, and as you think about it, you, you, you see more and more and more as you chew on the proverb. Now, that's not the most complex of the proverbs or, or, or the, the necessarily the most significant of them. But it, it's just an example of how there's this kind of vivid picture and you sort of sit with it and you think about it. 
Someone's described Proverbs as being like, uh, well, he's American, he's had hard candy, but we'd say uh, boiled sweets. Now, I'm terrible with a boiled sweet. I'll just, I'll suck it for about five seconds and then chew it and be ready for the next one. It's not, you know, you're wondering how I got this figure? Well, it's not, uh, but you don't get the best out of a boiled sweet by chewing it, do you? You have to suck it, you have to wait, you have to live with it to really find the sweetness. And with Proverbs, it's like that. You have to work at them. Bertrand Russell once picked up a, 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 an old saying. It was a bit, a bit like a proverb itself, and, and it became famously attributed to him, though it's much older than, 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 than him. Uh, he said that most people would ri- rather die than think, and most of them do. Now, Proverbs is a real a proverb is a real problem for a person like that. Because thinking is hard, and proverbs make you think. You have to think. And actually, wisdom only comes to those who think. Now, that's not uh, to say that the wisdom comes to those who are intellectual, uh, or who are sort of ivory tower people who, 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 who make a living out of thinking hard. Actually, wisdom is most often displayed, I think, uh, in, in the sort of practical knowledge uh, of people who really know what they're doing. You see great wisdom in uh, a craftsman or woman who, who knows how things fit together, who knows the order to do things in, who, who knows how things work. But you have to think about life if you're going to be wise not in an abstract intellectual way, but in a deeply practical and reflective and thoughtful way. So the Proverbs are are, are like poems and they're like puzzles. Uh, Do you notice verse uh, six of chapter one? The sayings and riddles of the wise. If you try and read Proverbs like a recipe book or like a rule book, you're gonna get very frustrated. Uh, So, uh, for instance, uh, let me take you uh, to chapter 26, uh, and, um, sorry, now I can't find it, it's good, isn't it? Um, Where's it gone? Do I mean chapter 26? Oh, how frustrating. Right, well, um, I marked it in my Bible, and now I can't find it. So... Let's just check it's not here. So do you talk among yourselves. Well, I'm not going to be able to give you the, the exact reference, but I can tell you the two proverbs. So the first one says, and these are two verses next to each other, verses uh, four and five uh, of the same chapter, but I've now lost the chapter. Uh, the first one says... Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will become just like him. It's a bit like George Bernard Shaw's uh, little proverb. Uh, Do you know know the one, don't wrestle with a pig? You both get dirty and the pig enjoys it. Okay, it's it's that sort of proverb. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you will become just like him. The very next verse answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. What do you make of that? Two verses next to each other. One says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. The other says, do. 
You're supposed to take those together and recognize that the world is very complex and you need to see it from lots of different perspectives and recognize that in some situations, the thing to do is not to get down in the mud with the pig. But in other situations, you actually have to be prepared to take, someone, to take, to take the world on someone else's terms and talk to them in, in those terms to help them to see the point. And wisdom is discerning which to do when. Is this a time to answer a fool according to his folly or not? That is a matter of wisdom. And the thing about wisdom is, I've said it's like a skill, and, and skills, we only develop them by putting them into practice. So wisdom's not just about knowing things, but it's about doing things. So you become wise as you act wisely. As you pay attention to God's wisdom and live it out, you strengthen the muscles of wisdom. You learn the skills, the muscle memory of wisdom. So it's, n- it's not a purely intellectual exercise. It can't be. It's a practical exercise of life to engage with wisdom. And that's uh, what's uh, in verses uh, 2 and 3. You'll see this idea of receiving instruction. Uh, and it's the picture of discipline. It's the picture of having a teacher who, who's constantly putting you right. You know, if you've played sport... Uh, the sort of coach who pays real attention to what you're doing and says, no, not quite like that, just drop your shoulder, whatever it is. But observing and correcting, disciplining. And a huge part of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is the humility to listen. The humility to recognize that there are things that you don't know. So look at verses five and six. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. This is not a journey you reach the end of. Uh, And in fact, uh, everyone needs that sort of uh, discipline. Everyone needs to keep growing and keep learning. So chapter 19, verse 27. Stop listening to my to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. You stop listening to instruction, you will stray. So this picture of, of, of being instructed, being taught, always being open to new insights from God's word, but from experience, from life, from other people. To have the humble uh, the humble outlook of the lifelong learner. Socrates, who said that the Delphic Oracle declared him the wisest man in the world because I know that I know nothing, he said. So Proverbs are valuable for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, verse 3. Sorry, it's the end of verse 2. So uh, what is insight? Well, insight is seeing below the surface, is seeing the complexity of the world. It's, it's not seeing the world just in black and white, but in multicolors. Being able to see situations in life from more than one perspective, being able to see beyond one set of actions to, to the consequences of them, to understanding the complexity of people, of situations. And the complexity 
of yourself. This goes with the idea of uh, being someone who's open to instruction, recognizing that your own heart is confusing and confused and deceitful and can and will lead you astray, left to its own devices. I um, made the mistake of uh, cracking open an old school report recently. I don't know if you ever do that. I've got to advise against it. It's a very painful and unpleasant experience. I, I opened one from, from uh, my sick form days and didn't really look at any of the subjects, just looked to the end of my sort of housemaster's report. And uh, it began well. Um, you know, uh, I hesitate to sort of... Uh, but it, it was really a spoonful of sugar for what was coming next, and so, which was, um, and they used my full name in those days. So it said, uh, Nicholas is very dismissive of his own shortcomings. Goodness, there's a world of meaning in that, isn't there? But reading that, I realized, goodness me, you know, I was, what, what my teacher was saying there was, that actually you will not, Nick, you won't progress in the world unless you're able to see and accept your own limitations and shortcomings and failures and mistakes. And Proverbs point those out to us too. They give us insight into others and into the world, but they give us insight into ourselves and wisdom involves being able to recognize yourself, to know who it is that you're looking at in the mirror. So there's uh, knowledge in action and wisdom, there's instruction, there's the recognizing the need of, of, of being, uh, you know, of ongoing growth and learning, insight, seeing the complexity of the world. And I suppose that's one of the things about those two proverbs about answering a fool according to his folly, isn't it? That, that actually the world is complex. And what's the right answer in one situation is not the right answer in another situation. Uh, and that's kind of connected with this idea at the end of verse, uh, at the middle of verse three, and, uh, and then again in verse four of, of prudent behavior, prudence and discretion. And uh, it, that, that idea of prudence is, is the idea of not just knowing what to do, but when to do it. Not just knowing what the right thing is, but, but how to go about doing it, how to approach people. There's lots in Proverbs about how do you deal with someone when they're angry. About knowing when to be silent and when to speak. There's a proverb that talks about how even a blessing given at the wrong time can feel like a curse. And actually, if you've ever experienced bereavement, sometimes perhaps you know what that's like. When you're struggling to come to terms with what has happened, with the reality of your grief, and someone comes up and tries to fix it for you, you know they mean well, don't you? You know they want to be kind. They come to you and say, well, time heals. And you think, well, I've not had much time. Prudence is knowing when it's right just to keep your mouth shut and to listen. 
but also when to speak when you might be tempted to keep silent. Wisdom has so much to offer us just in terms of getting on in the world, getting on with people, making sense of life. But you have to be willing to listen and you have to be willing to work, to take a proverb and to chew on it. Or if we're talking about boiled sweets, not chew on it, but suck on it. So here is the first proverb in the book. Verse 7. This is where it all begins. Without this, verse 7, there is no wisdom, no truly divine wisdom that can make sense of the world. Here's what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We'll come on to the idea of a fool and what that means within the context of Proverbs uh, another time. But there's two kinds of person in view as you begin the book. Are you going to be wise or are you going to be foolish? The beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. But the fool will despise wisdom and instruction. Now actually there's quite a lot going on there, isn't there? They're not obvious parallels. One is about an attitude towards God, the fear of the Lord. That's not cringing terror, but, but the sort of awesome wonder at the goodness of the amazing, covenant-keeping, self-giving, other-person-centered God that we meet in the Scriptures, who made everything, that appropriate sense of awe in his presence. That's the beginning of knowledge. The difference the different approach, is actually refusing wisdom and instruction. And so perhaps if you're someone who doesn't want to hear, perhaps that says something about your attitude towards God himself. Be an interesting verse to memorize in full, wouldn't it, and chew on, to suck on over the week, to think about but I think that very first bit of it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is, is absolutely vital as we start thinking together about wisdom, about what it is, and about how we might attain it. Because a lot of what passes for wisdom is not wise at all. We can observe things in the world or take a very simplistic view of things and, and sort of lay it over the world and say, well, you know, if something bad happens in your life, it's because God doesn't like you. Or if I do the right things, then God will bless me and give me what I want. And when things don't work out like that, it, it rocks us, it shakes us, it horrifies us. But actually, trusting God is the heart of wisdom. Uh, and um, I've got an example that I'd like us to look at. I'm just going to read Psalm 73. It's on page 586, if you'd like to, to turn to it. 
Uh, and it's a, an example of someone moving towards wisdom from a simplistic view of the world to one which goes deeper because of the fear of the Lord. So let me read it for Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mads lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are faithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. You see the movement in the psalm? He, 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 he zooms in on the world and he looks at the fact that actually his life is pretty difficult and the lives of people who don't have his moral qualms, who aren't bound by the ethics of God, well, their lives seem pretty easy. They're wealthy, they're healthy, they're well-loved. And actually he's really struggling. Uh, and zoomed in like that on the world, he, he, he sort of thinks, well, what's the point? Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure, he says, verse 13. But actually wisdom comes as he enters the sanctuary of God, as he enters the presence of God himself. It, it's almost like the camera zooms out. And he says, then I understood. 
you recognize that one day every human being will stand before the judgment seat of God. That one day every human being will have to give an account of their life to the one who made them. And that God, who is with him constantly, will welcome him into glory, into his own home, into his presence, into his family. And so wisdom for Asaph in this psalm comes uh, as he looks at life in its biggest perspective and recognizes that how things are going now isn't really the measure of everything. That things might be going badly for you, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and it doesn't mean there's no point following him. Things might be going well for you, but that is not necessarily a sign that all is well. And you see, Proverbs forms one chapter of the much bigger book, the Bible, and it points us to Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus is described as the wisdom of God. He fulfills, in John 1, 1 to 4, he fulfills the sort of personification of wisdom that you find in Proverbs chapter 8. He himself is so wise, even as a child, that people are astonished at his wisdom. And he describes himself as the one greater than Solomon who has come to bring God's wisdom to the world. And it is at the cross of Jesus that we're told we see God's wisdom most clearly. Something that looks like utter foolishness to the world. And yet that cross... If you look at all of life through the perspective of the cross, where God himself shed his blood for you, then everything else starts to make sense because how could you believe that God doesn't love you when he gave his only son for you? How could you believe that you will not have to give an account to God for your life when you see what it cost to win you back? Jesus faced the judgment that should have been mine, that should have been yours. Actually, looking at life through the lens of the cross is the beginning, in that sense, of wisdom. Seeing God for who he is and responding rightly with awe and wonder and worship is the first and biggest step in making sense of the world, in making sense of who you are, why you matter, and how to live.